the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello and welcome to BizBerg. I'm John Hall. It is great to be with you today. Today's edition of BizBerg is sponsored by City Mission in Washington, PA. City Mission online at citymission.org. As always, Dean Gartland is with us. Dean is the president, the CEO of City Mission. Dean, friend, always a good thing to see you. How are you? Uh, great, John. It's great to be here and I look forward to being able to share with our audience uh, all the good things that God is doing at the mission. I'm into that. I mean, you always share about the health and vitality and you always bring along a guest as well to share their experience and their strength mm-hmm. and hope. But just as a general overview, we don't want to presuppose that anybody knows about the mission at all. Give us an idea of what City Mission is and what you do. All right. So the City Mission is a uh, a shelter for the homeless. Uh, and and so just so people know, we operate four shelters. And so one for uh, homeless men, a shelter for single women, a shelter for women with children, and a shelter for veterans. And now, so most people would think, you know, that's what they would think about City Mission is about our shelters. But we also operate a medical clinic uh, that operates five days a week. Uh, we also operate what is called Samaritan Center. And Samaritan Center is a, uh, um, a way for us to, to distribute uh, food uh, to our hungry neighbors um, and people that are in need. And some of the working poor in our community uh, make their way over. And I, I we have some... Oh, 600 and some families that are signed up to our Samaritan Center to get uh, groceries on a weekly basis. And so that uh, that happens. We also um, operate a uh, uh, th- seven, soon to be eight thrift shops. Wow. So it's one of the ways we do generate revenue to be able to help cover the cost of, of running the mission. It does provide a percentage of our our funds that we need, but there are, uh, all of our funds come from uh, donations from individuals, churches, and businesses in our community uh, that believe in what we do. And so those are the uh, primary ministries uh, that we carry out at the City Mission. Fabulous. And that's a key point, Dean. Uh, we've talked about this before in the past, but many people think, well, it's a mission, and I'm sure it's government subsidized, but that is not the case with the work that you do in Washington, PA. Uh, that's correct. Uh, we do not get any government funding uh, for our programs. And I know sometimes that's a little bit shocking to people. They're thinking, well, why aren't you getting any any funding? Well, uh, our program is designed in such a way that that people can stay at the mission and in our residential program uh, for as long as they need it. And so we have counselors and uh, case managers on staff who are constantly working with our clients, helping them to address the issues, the barriers that they have in their life, uh, because our goal for our clients is always independence and, and independent living. And so we work with our clients to help them overcome the barriers that have stood in their way of being able to live an independent life. And so that sometimes requires longer-term stays, eight, six months, eight months, sometimes a year, maybe a year and a half. Uh, we've had people stay almost two years uh, because of the issues in their life that they needed to overcome, and it takes some time to do that. 
Uh, government funding sometimes will, well, most of the time, almost all the time, limits that. You can only do it for so long, and then the person has to leave. Uh, we would prefer not to be able to operate under those conditions. And so because of that, City Mission in Washington, PA, really is a community effort. It, it involves local neighbors and the business community coming around you, seeing the work, the vision that you create, and being partners in that vision. That's correct. And uh, we we love our partners, obviously. They are uh, a, a significant element to what we're doing, at, both from a volunteer standpoint, financial standpoint, uh, clothing and other material goods that they donate to the city mission. So uh, they are our partners are really important to us and we really, really value them. Fabulous. So let's talk about uh, some things that are going on right now. Top of mind to keep the mission vibrant and active in the community. Well, the, the, here and this is some of the things that are going on t- today. So, so upcoming uh, in November, and not too far off, is uh, on November 10th, we're having an event called Celebrate Success. And we call it that because the, our clients who have uh, achieved a level of success in their life, many of them have already gone on, and so they're going to come back and share their stories about how God has uh, impacted them through their time at the mission and where they're at today. And some are going to be current residents are going to share their story about how they came to the mission. And we invite uh, churches, uh, business uh, people, uh, guests, people that haven't heard about the mission before uh, to be able to come and hear these stories because nice. this is where um, – uh, and I, and that, which is the thing that I love the most, is that I always invite people to come down. You, if you donate to the mission, I want you to see where your donation mm-hmm. goes. I want you to see and hear the stories of people whose lives are being impacted because you contribute and because you're a partner with us, because you're a prayer partner, because you're a financial partner, because you're partnering with us through our stores and helping us to raise money that way. And it's so significant. And so that's why I bring guests with me uh, when I come to uh, to do these shows, to these radio programs, because I want people to know that uh, lives are being changed and transformed at the City Mission. Fabulous. Dean Gartland is with us from City Mission online at citymission.org or by calling 724-222-8530. So, Dean, that's a segue. As you say, you you bring guests along. Uh, We have a guest today with us in studio uh, who's at the City Mission currently, and uh, our guest is Danny. Danny, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you with us, Danny. And as always, when guests join us, uh, we're just curious about what your life is about, uh, what's happened in the past, how you came into the mission, and what you look for in the future. So um, this is a very uh, you know open, easy forum. Uh, why don't you go back into your life and talk about your early life and, and how it led you to the path where you are now? Okay, Absolutely. Um, so I, uh, grew up in Southern West Virginia in a little town called Bluefield. Um, I was raised by my grandparents. Um, I was raised in the church. Um, I had a very good upbringing. Um, my childhood wasn't bad. Like, um, I had everything that I needed. I never wanted for anything. Nice. Um, surrounded by love. Absolutely. Like, um, my parents weren't there like in the picture, but they were always there. Like I could call them if I needed to call them, but I was raised by my grandparents. Um, I remember getting saved at eight years old. I remember they having an altar call and I just went right up to the front and raised my hand. And I was like, I want Jesus. Like (laughs) I remember that. Um, but around, I'd say about 14, um, I started wanting to fit in with everyone else. Like, because I was kind of 
the Jesus girl, and I didn't quite fit in with everyone else. And of course, peer pressure makes it hard. Without a doubt. So like, you know, in order to fit in with everyone else, I started drinking and, you know, smoking weed and just getting out there and trying to do what they were doing. And, um, you know, um, the things that affected me didn't affect them the same way. Like I became dependent very quick. Um, so, um, around, uh, high school, I started really drinking every week, like there wasn't, or every weekend, and then every weekend became every day very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, I became pregnant um, at 17 with my son, um, and I ended up quitting high school, and um, I went and got my GED, but like things from there started just kind of getting hard, because I had just turned 18, I had a child, I didn't have a high school education, I started trying to, you know, go to college and work, and just all the things that life throws at us. Right. and um, So it's the beginning of chaos. Absolutely. And yeah. I didn't know how to manage anything emotionally or mentally. And at this point, like I had turned away from God to follow everything else. Sure. Um, so I'd say about the age of 19, my grandmother passed away and it was a devastating loss to me. Um, she helped me, you know, take care of my son. And so then I didn't have that person there with me and, um, Uh, I was introduced to some harder substances, and I immediately became addicted. Um, From there, just life just wasn't a whirlwind. Like, I was never stable. I moved from city to city, um, house to house. Like, you know, I could never keep a job longer than six months at a time. Um, I moved back and forth between Pennsylvania and West Virginia multiple times, um, in and out with my father. You know, he would come and help me out and to help me take care of my son. And it was just a constant revolving door of where I was going to be next. Um, when my son was school aged, I finally settled down here in uh, southern or southwestern Pennsylvania. Um, and so he's been in school here Um since he started school and that's been great like he's always had that foundation and my father has been there so much to be through his raising even in my instability so um he's always had like a nice family stabilization um but i don't know i'd say around the age of 26 um just some of the traumas in my past and just the relationships that i was in and just all of that, like it just, I couldn't handle it in my mind. And, um, the drinking where I was able to manage it and still go to work and do everything like it just, it was, it was too much. Like I couldn't manage it anymore. And so for about three years, like I was on this downward spiral, um, and nothing mattered. No, no not really. Like I thought I was functioning. <laughs> I did. I I had deluded myself into thinking that, you know, life was okay and this is just how I live. Like, I just drink and, you know, get high every day. Right. And, like, I – that's just what, the way it is. That's how it's going to be. Um, but thankfully, I have a really good church family. And um, my church is really – they blessed me so much. Um, my pastor, she, uh, she was like, you're going to go get help. <laughs> so she saw you. She knew your chaos enough. Oh, yes. And she's been with me since I was about 14 years old. So it's like she's known my life. She's followed me. So she was like, you're, you're going to go get help. So the, the very first, my very first attempt at like rehab or anything like that, my pastor took me and sat with me and my church family took me to rehab. And 
you know, I successfully completed and then I got into um, a halfway house and then I left because I felt like God's work was done, but it wasn't. But you were cured. (laughs) Right. I thought I was cured. And um, uh, things ended up spiraling even worse after then. Um, Some of the things that I said I I would never do, I ended up doing um, even harder things, um, substances that I had never tried before. And um, it really took me quickly, like after I left that time. And I, the very first time I came to the city mission was um, in October of 2019. And I knew that I really needed help. And I didn't. I just didn't know that I was done yet. Right. And well, like, how did you find out about City Mission? I found out about the City Mission because one of my friends used to be an employee there, huh. and we used to sing together at church. Cool. Yeah, so that's how I found out. And he was like, you should go see if they have somewhere for you to go. Right. But already you sort of have that stigma of, I was in rehab, I, I messed that up, I'm feeling, you know, so now there's another opportunity here, I'm not quite sure how this is going to work. Right. So I, I get in, and um, I wasn't focused on anything at that point like i came in and i mean i did the bare minimum of what i should have done there um that first time i was there and um i really didn't take it seriously i still kind of wanted to go out and do my own thing even though my life proved that you know it was in shambles like it it's insane to think that i thought that i could still manage um and that living that way so i stayed about four months the first time and then um I left on a pass, and that day it was over. Not like, coming back. Nope, didn't come back. And that's funny. You kind of think, oh, this is bottom. Oh, no, that's not bottom. Oh, this is bottom. Oh, that's not bottom. Now there's got to be a true bottom at some point. Right. So after that, that's when the bottom started coming. So that was in January of 2020. And so, um, you know, that was right before COVID really hit. And so I actually had a good job. I work in nursing. And, um, um, I'm CNA, so like, uh, but I couldn't keep the job, and so, uh, a lot of things happened all at once. We got a lot of money for PUA for being, un, you know, not sure. working, and then I managed to get a place, and my son, and the current relationship I were in, like, it was nice, and then everything for a year seemed like it was great, even though it wasn't. It was an illusion. Like, I had the car, I had the house, I had money flowing at all times, but I was in such a deep spiral and addiction that I didn't even recognize myself when I look at pictures now. Like, I don't even know who that person is. So um, it just so happens that the bottom of my bottom started last year um, in July. I got sick, and I realized that I was really sick, and um, it wasn't just withdrawal. And so I went to the hospital, and they kept me because I had – Uh, MRSA growing on the tricuspid valve of my heart and I had double double pneumonia and I had septic blood clots in my lungs and I was basically on my deathbed this is serious stuff yes yes so um I spent 15 days in the hospital and about eight weeks in a nursing home wow and you would have thought that would have woke me up but it didn't (laughs) it didn't wake me up so um I get it. You go hard. <laughs> right. So I got out, but it slowed me down significantly. I bet. Like, um, it slowed, slowed me down. So um, October 4th of last year, um, I overdosed. And um, my son found me. And um, 
It was probably one of the worst moments of my life. Um, how, old, how old was your son then? He was 14 at the time. Mm-hmm. And there you are on the floor. Right. And he found me. He was the only person there that was able to call. He's totally freaked help. out. Yeah. And um, he called my dad first. And my dad beat the ambulance there. So my dad, I woke up in his arms and I realized what happened. And I I, I agreed to go get help. Um, and I stayed in a program for a while. But again, I left and I just, I just couldn't get it right. But... I had a really short run the last one. I was just like, you know what? I got, it was a couple nights and I was just like, I can't do this anymore. Like I cannot sick do and this. tired of being sick and tired. Absolutely. Like I knew where it was going to take me again and I didn't want to be on the floor again, right, waking right. up and maybe possibly not waking up. Yeah. So I went to a program for 30 days and I left there, um, finished. And, um, I ended up in Pittsburgh, um, Cause I didn't really have anywhere to go. I didn't want to come back to where I was living. Cause I just didn't want the, yeah. you know, f- the, f- what's the familiarity of the town. Yep. So I called city mission. I was like, I actually felt like God was sending me back to the city mission. And I was like, really, you really want me to go back there? God? Cause you had been there before. I there had. was a comfort level there so I can plug back in again. Right. But I was just like, I don't really want to mm-hmm. <laughs> like, honestly, right. cause like yeah, I yeah. didn't want to do another program. Um, but I called and they didn't have a bed. And they were like um, three to four weeks. And I was just like, I don't know. Like, you know, I only have 30 days clean. I need to get somewhere where I'm safe. Today. Right. And so I waited another few days and then I called again and I was like, listen, (laughs) I need to get in and I I need you guys to make room. So they let me in the next day and um, I didn't have a bed. They put me on a cot and I was so grateful for the cot. Like as soon as I walked in and I got on the cot. I felt such a peace in my spirit and I was just like, okay, I'm finally back where I need to be. And since then, like my life has completely changed. Um, it's crazy that like, I've always been in my son's life, but the mother that I am to him now is more than I've ever been. So that was October of last year. No. So I got back to the city mission at June 24th okay. of this year. June, and now here we are in the fall, so you got some sobriety behind you. Yeah. Is this the just longest? Just over four months. Actually, yes. This is the longest amount of okay. clean time that I've ever had. How's that feel? It's it's a little stunning, yeah, actually. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, it can't be all sunshine and roses. Oh, no. You know, actually dealing with emotions. Who wants to do that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, it's you again. <laughs> hey. So, like, it's it's it's... It's been a journey, but like I knew that when I got there that day and that night, I just remember getting on my knees beside the cot in the dining room. And I was just like, thank you, God. Thank you for bringing me back here and allowing for me to have a place. And a week later, a bed opened up and I had my own bed. And like things have changed so much. Like um, I had a court case because of the overdose in front of my child and um. It was a felony charge. Um, just this past Monday, um, they dropped all the charges against me. Um, I have been really working on my relationship with God and learning how to deal with what's going on inside of me. And, like, the mission gives me a place to do that. Like, I can go to the staff and talk about what's going on, and there's always somebody available to talk to me about uh, anything. Like, there's nothing that I've gone to staff with that they can't. If they don't know the answers, they find it, and then they are always willing to minister to you. Fabulous. And it's amazing. And so since then, like, just everything's so much better in me. 
Right. Like, I feel great. So you, you think of yourself as that eight-year-old girl where you said, Jesus, come on into my heart. And then everything that happened in the in the meantime, that parentheses of time, and here you are now for the first time in a long time, you've got some measure of stability, some clarity in your mind, and a hope for a future of long-term sobriety where you don't need to go back out and do that again. Right. Yes. Um, it's amazing um, to think that... Um, Everything that I've been through has brought me to this point. And sometimes I wonder, like, you know, had I done things differently, what life would have been. But like now, like, you know, now that I'm back on the right path with God and just knowing who I am in him, like now I'm able to go reach Mm -hmm. people that not a lot of people can reach because, you know, if you've never been through it, like it's really hard to reach somebody who's going through it. And so, like, I just... I just pray that God continues to grow me and just mature me in his word and through his spirit so that I can go and reach the people like um, I'm RA now. So resident assistant. So like, you know, I, I really love doing what I do around the house. Like it's not much like, I mean, you know, go get some toilet paper for somebody, but like the level of service that it takes to go help somebody else. Like I love that part about what I'm doing at the home right now. And it's, it's really developing like my character. Like, cause like it used to be, I would never go drop what I was doing to help someone else. And now it's just like, okay, yeah, I'll help you. And like, I love the changes that I see inside of me. Fabulous. I love the changes that I see inside of me. Uh, There's God all over that. City Mission as well as the instrument of that. Danny, thanks an awful lot. That's a great story. Congratulations on the sobriety. Keep on, keep on. Thank you. Yeah, very good. Dean, I mean, you you hear the story, you Mm -hmm. hear Danny's story. uh, It gives you a reason to wake up in the morning. It certainly does. And those are the kind of stories that that Danny just shared with you is what drives me and, and, and is the passion of my life because this is... Uh, I've been doing this a long time, and and this is why. Um, when to know that you know life today is different, I I don't, I don't know what the future has for all of us, a, a, anybody. But uh, I know that for today, and just for today, uh, life is much better uh, for somebody like Danny. And to me, that is exactly why the city mission is there. Fabulous. Hey, uh, this is Bisberg, and uh, we're talking with Dean Gartland and uh, guest Danny, who was uh, spending time at the City Mission, getting clean and sober. City Mission Online is citymission.org or 724-222-8530. Now, I-, I would imagine, Dean, the reason we do this oftentimes is, you know, people are in their car or whatever, and they're, they're hitting the radio, and they hear a voice like Danny's. And then they make the bridge and the connection to the work that City Mission does I mean, it's just incredible work that's being done. But, of course, I need to go back to this because, you know, as Danny said, you know, uh, there was no room at the end, so Mm -hmm. to speak. A cot wasn't available. But because Danny was tenacious and said, i got to get sober, you opened up and found a spot for her, you know, a a, a cot in the dining room, and then something became available. I mean, the need is so incredibly great. You look at the chaos in today's society and the work that you do, I mean, it's just off the charts. Oh, it is, and the uh, and we continue to get you know calls from people you know calling us wanting uh, uh, to know about bed availability, and it is a challenge on us because as I sh- shared with you before, you know because we don't have a program that is dictated by time. Length of, yes, mm-hmm. time is not what dictates what, how long a person can stay. It's all about their progress and their goals and what they're trying to achieve. Um, so sometimes the bed availability is a tough thing. But one of the things that 
God had put in my heart and in the heart of our board is that we want to be able to build a new uh, women's shelter because the shelter we have is very uh, limited in terms of space, as you heard Danny share, uh, coming there and not being – because one of the things that really breaks our hearts is when we have to tell somebody on the phone, sorry, we don't have a bed because we don't know what happens to them. Right. They drift away and chaos continues. Yes. And so we want to address that need. And uh, uh, so we are planning to build a new uh, 50-bed women's shelter uh, at the city mission. Uh, probably won't get started for a couple of years, but the, uh, we're in the early stages of developing that idea uh, with an architect and getting the design of the building. And so we'll be uh, uh, and conducting a capital campaign here next year uh, to start raising some money to build that shelter because we don't want to turn anybody away. Right. Uh, and, and as you heard Danny's story, I, it breaks our heart when we have to tell somebody that there's no bed. Fabulous. Well, Dean, uh, our time's almost up here, and uh, seriously, when you come in here, I'm always excited to see you, to hear the story for your guests. Um, just a, a minute left. Uh, people are encouraged. If, if you if you need some help here, right, people can help in a lot of different ways, right? I mean, you know, right. COVID messed with stuff. Danny talked about that, but people can step forward as volunteers, as financial contributors, and prayer partners as well. Absolutely, and and we and we welcome that. We we do ask people to please remember us in in your prayers because i know that sometimes given the situation in our society is the way it is right now people don't have a lot of resources and so uh being able to make a commitment to pray for the city mission pray for our residents and for the wisdom that our staff needs uh that as uh, people come in and their their issues are complex um but they deserve our best effort and that's what we want to give them fabulous well, Dean, thank you so much, and Danny, for you as well. I mean, really, uh, to hear a story like that, it, it always helps my day along to mm. think about sobriety and the importance of that, and especially sobriety in the heart of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's the be-all and end-all of why we're here in this world. So Amen. thank you so much, Dean. Hey, th- this has been Bisberg, and uh, grateful that you're with us today. You can find more information about Bisberg on our website at wordfm.com, W-P-I-T. And uh, in the meantime, uh, once more, City Mission Online. It's citymission.org or 724-222-8530. Until next time, uh, God's peace be with you, and uh, we'll see you then. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.